I talked about the magic levers of best health in my first blog post in 2012, 10 years and 535 posts and episodes ago. It was pretty mundane stuff. Hydration, rest, diet, exercise, and team. The most important team, you and yours. Family, however you define that. I'm a Van Leeuwen. That's my blood and relations family. We are a kooky, solid, kid-oriented, widely dispersed, mostly get-along, sometimes, clan. I'm proud to be a Van Leeuwen. I take the opportunity to introduce some of my family, the three Dans. My Uncle Danny just turned 90. He's the youngest of six, the patriarch. Lives in Utica, New York with his wife, Beth. He's had four heart bypasses, and until a few years ago, he played basketball every week and recently pickleball. COVID set him back. Strength of spirit is a Van Leeuwen trait. I, Cousin Danny, almost 70, live in Arlington, Massachusetts with my wife, Ann. You know me already. My cousin David's son, Danny Three, 26, lives in Morocco with his partner, Leslie, and teaches music. Three generations of dance. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. All right, so here we are, the three dance. Yeah. Yeah, we got an old seven. fart, and we got a, a middle fart, and we got a young guy. Yes. <laughs> and the cat. Yeah, and a cat. So, Danny, Danny, how you feeling? Slowly getting there. I regressed. I got better. I was playing pickleball, <clears throat> and then I regressed. And I can't I can't go very far. I could do it like a six-minute walk, and I get out of breath. Okay, and you're having the bleeding? Oh, my nose bleeds. I don't know. I get all kinds of... I go from head to toe and something wrong with every part of my... Almost every part of my body. Ugh. Are you, like, thoroughly discouraged? Sometimes I am. No, then something gets better. Okay, and you're still married. I'm still married, and I don't know what I would do without my wife. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And and Dan, you're still with your partner? Yeah, she's over there. Yeah. In the other room. All right. Yeah. I promise she's real. Yeah. And how yeah. long have you been together? Since, uh, boy, May of 2020. Oh, wow. Really? That long? Wow. Yes, it's close yeah. to two years, yeah. Yeah. And Dan, how long have you been together? Uncle Dan. Four years. I got you guys beat. Years. 46. Wow. I know that's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you only had to do it once. 
<laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I lucked out on the first yeah. first round, right? Yeah. Well, I lucked out twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. So I just want to recognize that we spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I I forgot to record. I'm nobody was surprised. Oh, there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Your grandfather, uh, your grandfather. Yeah, he has a lot of stories about him that he forgot. He, yeah. So tell he, one. I actually understand had an audience with the Queen, and a zipper was open. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. The one thing what did we decide last time that Daniel meant the judge? Something like that? Daniel? Yeah. L is God's. I don't judge know what Dan God. means. God's judge. Yeah. Daniel means. And uh, Dan is judge. L is God. Okay. So is that judge God or judged by God? No, a judge of God. Not meaning that you're judging God, but you're one of God's judges. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. I can live with that. Some say Daniel means God is my judge. Others, God's judge. Daniel was a Hebrew prophet whose story is told in the book of David in the Old Testament. He lived during the Jewish captivity in Babylon, where he served in the king's court, rising to prominence by interpreting the king's dreams. Our uncle Leon Van Leeuwen was an interpreter of dreams. He hosted a dream group in Manhattan for more than 30 years. People would tell their dream, and they go around the room. If this were my dream, it would mean... Yeah, and lion we decided was the lion or something really mundane. Soup spoon. Yeah, tombstone. That's what I remember. Something like yeah. that. A what? Uh, a tombstone. Oh. I so we that. decided we go for we got it. We go for the lion, Daniel of the lion. It's yeah. more poetic. Let's see. Let's see. What can I tell you guys about? So I've been playing a lot of music. And I had a rehearsal last night, and we haven't played like in four months because of the weather and indoor. We were not wanting some people didn't want to play indoors, but we got together uh, last oh. night, so a couple nights ago, and uh, and people thought that it really showed that I've been rehearsing a lot, that I'm much better, and I, like I actually couldn't tell, but but they could, so. That was nice. All that matters. <laughs> how about you, cousin Danny? How have you? How's your music going? I've actually been practicing a lot too. I've been practicing flamenco techniques and some electric guitar stuff for my students. I have to learn a lot of new songs because the kids want to learn things that I've never played before. Uh huh. So all I learned how to do was entertain myself with the guitar. 
only <laughs> both so far. So you I've been really enjoying it. I don't play a lot of rock music. I'm familiar with some of one of the basic rhythms, but that's about it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, and we do a couple songs in Moroccan Arabic, but they're not very Moroccan in terms of musically how they're made up. And who's we? We is my organization group thing that I'm a part of that we crescendo. I think it's crescendo baby music still. Okay. They, they go to different schools and they have, they hold classes and things for babies, sometimes with their parents or their other family members and uh, to teach kids the basic elements of music and rhythm and expose them to stuff like that. And so yeah. is any of your music on YouTube or anything like that? I yeah. have some old songs of mine on SoundCloud and maybe there's some stuff on YouTube and with me, with the work that I do, I know we have the YouTube, I know we have a Facebook, and probably in some of the base Facebook videos. And we're going to have a concert next weekend, actually. So I'll probably be in that a video for that. So, Uncle Danny, what what do you want to what do you want to tell whoever might be watching or listening to this? I miss them all. I hope to see many of them at my birthday party on the night. And whoever's living far away, that may be the last time I see you because I don't think I'm going to be traveling that far unless you come to see me. Yeah. Uh, who knows? So you're you're feeling your age, eh? Yeah, I wasn't. I was not feeling my age. I was playing pickleball every yeah. single day this summer. Right. Before the wedding. And since then, and I was starting to play again. And then all of a sudden, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. It was my getting. You got COVID. Heart failure. Yeah. I was trying to gain weight. And when I looked on the scale, I was happy that my weight was going up. It yeah. turned out that was because I was having congestive heart failure. Oh, 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 it was fluids, eh? That's not a yeah. good thing. That's not a good thing. So right. I'm dealing with that now. And uh, I don't know, a couple other things. Some things come and go by themselves. Right. And some things I need a, a doctor for. But, right. Uh, what I don't have, I try. I thought I would contact with the lady that you sent me uh, about a, a coordination of care. Yeah, yeah, but I think I'd rather have somebody local here if I can find somebody. We discussed finding a case manager or care coordinator a couple of weeks ago. I had recommended my podcasting crony, Kathy's Consulting to Dan and Beth for a brief consultation to get on the right path. Dan elected not to. His insurance company said they wouldn't cover it. Another of his sons, Jason, is a rabbi and a hospice chaplain who told him they had to pay for it, but perhaps only for local care coordination. Uncle Danny's blessed with three sons. One lives in the region and all have experience with the health system. Having a team is everything. Dan's wife deals with health issues herself. They take care of each other as best they can. Just this week we spoke. One of his long COVID symptoms is limited vision. He just lost his driver's license. Communicating when we each have the same name is challenging. I asked Danny three a question and Uncle Danny answered it. What'd you say, Dan? I said, sometimes I feel fine 
and sometimes I don't. My wife is an inspiration because she's had back problems now for a long time. And she just keeps going. Yeah. Know? She doesn't let it get her down. But oh, she's my my hero and she takes care of me. And Yeah, it's good to have somebody taking care of you. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. But it sounds you could, Is do you think about the being able to help like the both of you, like maybe grocery shopping or stuff like oh, that? We have a best daughter. She was in Texas for three months having a granddaughter. Yeah. Now she's back. Okay. And she's willing to do anything that we needed to do, but Beth is very independent. Yeah. And she likes to do what she can and right. she pushes herself. And that's what I got to do. I got to keep pushing myself. Yeah. Um, it's such a tough balance to stay active because yeah. movement is your friend, but not wear yourself out. So that, so are, do you find that a, a difficult balance or an easy balance? No, a difficult balance. I constantly feel fatigued and trying to sleep. And then if I do sleep, then I don't sleep at night real well. And uh, yeah. that's one of the problems is insomnia that's, that I never had before. Okay. And uh, what do you do? Do you get up or do you just lay there? I get up. And what helps is what they tell you not to do. Oh. Watching TV. <laughs> okay. Watching TV will help me sleep. And what do you watch? Right now, I'm trying to watch the last season of The Outlander. Oh. And whatever else I can find. I like to watch Rachel Maddow. Okay. And, uh, except in half the time she's not on. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, that helps me to sleep when I watch something. Yeah. And cousin Danny, what do you? What's most of your? What do you do? What's your day like? Lately, you know, I get up, I drive Leslie to work. Depending on the day, I either go home and work out and then practice, or I go and do my job. So, like on a Thursday or Friday, I go to the school in another neighborhood. And we do two classes there every Thursday and Friday. And then I come home and I might have some private lessons in the afternoon that I go to. Are those in person or are those on Zoom? They're in person. Okay. But I'm still keeping my mask on because I don't really buy that this thing is over. Oh, it's not over. Everybody just got really distracted maybe by Ukraine. It just completely dropped out of the news. But... I'm not, I don't want COVID. Have, you're, you're vaccinated? Yeah, I have two shots. I got vaccinated in the U.S. with the Pfizer. And I actually got vaccinated and then immediately directly exposed to COVID. And I didn't get it. So I guess the vaccine works. Danny, you know that we're having a big event in the family. Joey, who's in India now, is getting married. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Family. Joey Van Leeuwen moved to India. He spent some time there a few years learning more about Indian music. He's back there now and fell in love and is getting married. Joey Van Leeuwen, Danny Three's brother and Uncle Danny's grandson, also makes the music for this podcast. This family is worldwide now, with contingents in Israel, Morocco, L.A., North Carolina, New York City, Boston, Philly, Upstate New York, Boston, and San Diego. Not uncommon today. 
Listen to Kathy's consulting podcast to hear more about managing health at a distance. Coming on December 26th. They're, uh, yeah. they're all coming over. It's like a 20-hour 20 20, 20 flight. And everybody, I'm not coming, but all his brothers and sisters and where is it going to be? In in Calcutta. Calcutta. He's married to an uh, getting married to an Indian woman. What's her name? Maumita. Is that pronounced right? Maumita, I think. Maumita. Yeah. Wow, Mazel Tov. That's great. Yeah. Oh my God. Good for him. Good for her. Yeah. My family's traveling all over. So. <laughs> Are yeah. you going, Dan? Cousin Dan? Yeah, I'm definitely going to get there. By hook or by crook. You're the closest. Right? Yeah, but it's really expensive because I don't think there's a lot of flights from between Morocco and India. So where do you have to go? I think I'm probably going to fly to Paris or something and then okay. fly from there. But even then, it's crazy expensive. I don't know. I don't know. It's expensive. And it's a lot of U.S. dollars, but it's a lot of Moroccan money, too. Yeah. More yeah, right. Moroccan money, if you think about it. Yeah, you're talking different standard, right? When you Morocco, everything is a lot cheaper. Yeah. But flights are not. Yeah. Yeah. Flights to India aren't. I can get to Italy for 30 bucks sometimes. But not to India. I mentioned to Anne your, your invite. And she definitely had interest. So I don't know what that means, but it's on our list. Yeah, you guys should make it out here. There's, I'm sure there's places to... Uh, you guys are doing, like, what was it, a race or a run? No, we're going a on a pilgrimage Spain? to Portugal. Portugal? Yeah. Yeah. There's still plenty of pilgrimages in Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Anne likes to hike. Yeah. And I like when I can go with her with my chair or whatever. So To me, the best part of the country is in the south, and that's where all the hiking is. Okay. And is that really yeah. mountainous? I don't know. I was only there once. We drove like all over the place. There's You can access a lot of different terrains in Morocco. There's like mountains, and then you can get to the Sahara, and you can get to the coast. I think Isn't there an area we out went, there where you paint themselves blue? They don't paint themselves blue, but they paint all the buildings blue. Oh, I thought they had Why to is that? I don't know. Some people say it's because of like the Jewish population there. I don't know. Blue is a that that shade of blue is a really popular color here in a lot of places, but in the city of Shifshawan, which is like a mountain city, it's blue everywhere. The whole it's like a city on the side of a mountain and everything is painted blue. Wow. Yeah, I went. It was really nice. We went there. That's a place that's totally worth visiting. It's very quiet. Now, a word about our sponsor, A Bridge. Use A Bridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. 
A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. How's your health? My health is good. I just finished having a broken wrist, which kind of oh, sucked. That makes it hard being to a play. Guitar player. Yeah, it does. And what happened? Did you fall? Oh, I was driving home from work and I saw, I ride a motorcycle. I saw the road was wet and it was right at this roundabout. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to slow down. I've already slowed down enough because it's a roundabout. No. <laughs> and then I, I, one wheel just decided that it, the back wheel wanted to be in the front. And the bike just slid right down, and like I instinctively reached out my hand, which is not what you should do, and I just jammed it right into the ground. And I stood up right away because that seems to be what I do when I get into accidents to make sure I'm alive. And I started <laughs> waving my hand like ah, but then I was like talking to people in the street. I was like, it still moves, it still moves, so it's not broken. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. I get back on the motorcycle. We were actually going to visit another city for a little weekend vacation. So I came into the door. I'm like, all right, Leslie, I think I broke my hand. Like, we got to go catch a train now. And uh, yeah, that was fun. So did you go to the emergency room or whatever the equivalent is? I did not because I've had broken bones before. And I was pretty sure based on the range of motion that I had that it wasn't broken. But it was extraordinarily painful. And we also had plans. We drove, we went to this other city because we wanted to visit. There's a Roman ruins in Morocco. Those I would definitely recommend. We went, we wanted to visit the Roman ruins. So we went to this other city. And then the next morning I went to what I guess is a hospital. It's like a bunch of rooms with some medical equipment. It's better than that, but it's not great. And they took x-rays of me, which I got to keep, which is cool. And uh, they said it wasn't broken, so I didn't wear a cast for like, three weeks. And then I found out that it. I went to another doctor because it was still hurting. And he was like, I can't see the break, but you need to wear a cast because it's probably broken. Oh, so that was fun. How did they get around? How huh? did they get around from place to place? I, I, I drove her with the, with the cast. I could just hang my hand on the, uh, the throttle and... Turn like oh, that and they just make get, it go. How does she get the places alone? She can take a taxi now. She has enough language to tell them where she's going. So she does that. That's a lot of individual transport. We have a lot of taxis here in Morocco. A lot of taxis. Yeah. And are people multilingual? Yeah, I wouldn't say that that... I don't meet... In this city, I don't meet that many English-speaking taxi drivers. But in other more touristy cities, I do. And also, you don't have to look far to find somebody who speaks English, especially in the neighborhood we live in now. What ta- what city do you live in? I live in Rabat, so that's the other uh, capital. Okay. How big a city is that? How many people? I think it's like a million or something, but <laughs> I think it's spread out because it doesn't seem like there's a million people here at all. I think it's like the size of Rochester, maybe. So is is uh, Morocco a kingdom? Yes, it is a kingdom. We do have a king. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't say anything about that. (laughs) 
You yeah. can't say whether he's a nice guy or not, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> being recorded. I'm sure I'd be fine. But, yeah. I mean, he's rich. That's something. Yeah, he's rich. Okay. Uncle Danny, what else do you want to tell us? What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. Let's see. What's the... Tell me, what's the first memory that you have? The first memory... I think my first memory was I was giving a tri- given a tricycle when I lived in Holland, and I didn't like it. I tried to lose it. You tried to lose it. You always okay. tried, always brought it back. <laughs> I couldn't lose it. Yeah. So you were the youngest of six, right? I was the youngest of six. So what was it like being the youngest of six? What was your what was your place in the family? What did that mean that you were the youngest? I always felt like I was stupid. Okay, I was made to feel stupid. I always, I was put down a lot, and, uh. and I felt stupid. And I don't know. One memory I have is when I first came to the United States. I thought, first of all, I thought there were going to be Indians there, all over the place, cowboy movies. And of course, there wasn't. And then I saw it was the most beautiful sky I'd ever seen. It was a beautiful, like pink color. It turned out it was smog. It oh, and that was <laughs> in New York. I was in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in New York City. We lived in New York City for a while before we moved to Forest Hills. How old were you when you immigrated? What's that? How old were you when you immigrated? Seven? Seven? I was seven. Okay. Do you remember when your father came home from after having been in the concentration camp? Yes, I think. I'm trying to remember. I think somehow we missed him where he was supposed to be at the boat. Okay. And then we went back home and he came to our house. Now, yeah. That might be a faulty memory. I don't know. Yeah. Did you you think he was alive? I really didn't think much about it. I I see. I had the life of a young. Yeah. Young American child learned the language very quickly. I, but on my bar mitzvah, I had a traumatic experience had to do with my father. We had a friend of his came to visit us and he wasn't there yet. My father wasn't uh, back, but uh, I was in the bathtub and this friend of his was telling me all about him. And I started crying and I cried. I couldn't stop crying. And it was because all those years I had lived the good life, so to speak, and never thought much about my father. And mm-hmm. he made me think about it. And uh, they thought they had, the rest of my family had all kinds of reasons for my crying. They didn't mm-hmm. know why I was crying, but that was the reason. Yeah. How was it you decided to go to Israel and work at the kibbutz? When I was in high school. In Forest Hills. In Forest Hills. I joined a a group of people who were going to Israel, and I decided I wanted to go. And when I went to college, I went to Cornell, and I went to the Agricultural College. Okay. To prepare me for Israel. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And my second year, I conned my parents into letting me go. I told them if I don't go, they're probably going to draft me to the Korean War. Oh. I said, I better go now and not finish college. 
And Uncle Leon stood up for me. He agreed with me. So that's when I left. Huh. But you were in the Israeli army, right? I was in the Israeli army. I, I was in the Israeli army. I was went in with my group. And somehow my paperwork got screwed up. And when they went to their to another place where they got training, I was left where I was. Oh. And finally, they sent me over there where I was supposed to be. But then I got yellow jaundice. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got sick, and then I don't know. What, did you have hepatitis or something? Yeah, that's hepatitis. Yeah. And it's something you get from what you eat. I'm eating fish. And they finally released me from the army. And I went to the kibbutz where the rest of my people were, my group. And a lot of them had it. And we were, we were, we were having a bad, hard time because there wasn't enough to eat. Yeah. At the kibbutz? Yeah, there wasn't enough to eat in the beginning. I don't know. We got over that. Screwed up paperwork has been a theme for this family. My dad, Reuben, and Danny's family lived in the Netherlands when Hitler came to power. My opa had the foresight and my grandma, Eva van Zvonenberg, had the money from Unilever stock so the family could emigrate to the States. They landed in New York the day the Nazis invaded the Netherlands in May of 1940. Unfortunately, my opa, Henry B. Van Leeuwen, couldn't get a visa because his reference was a business friend, Leon Trotsky. Not the Russian author and politician, it was a common name. But he was denied a visa nevertheless by the United States. He was swept up with the other Jews and interred at Bergen-Belsen, among other concentration camps. In 1945, my family thought father was dead. My uncle Nat, working for the Red Cross, saw his father's name on a list of inmates and changed the entry to say that his wife was an American citizen. He was subsequently traded as a prisoner of war. I think I'm trying to remember when I first met you was when we were living in, in Northbrook, I think. My my dad's younger brother was coming to visit. And you were pretty young, weren't you? Like 19 or 20? If this was before. I went to Israel when I was 18. But I think this was after Israel. Oh, after Israel. No, after Israel, I went to Holland. Oh, okay. And I stayed in Holland for a couple of years. Oh. And didn't come back to the United States. I was 28. So, you were 28? I was 28. So did I meet you before you went or after you went? Can't be before I went to Israel because... The day I arrived in Israel was pretty close to the day that Jackie was born. Oh, okay. Oh, because yeah. that, oh, then, yeah, yeah. and I wouldn't. Yeah. I wasn't, of course, I wasn't born. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So, what do you remember about my dad? I don't remember a lot. I remember he was the only one in the family that had brown eyes. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And I don't know. I was I went to visit him. Let's see, when was that? 
when I lived in Indianapolis. That's after I came from Holland. Uh-huh. I lived in Indianapolis. And I forget what I came for. And I drove up to I drove up to your parents and visited there. Yeah. And yeah, I don't remember when I went alone or went with my future wife. Yeah, I don't remember either, but I do remember your wedding. I was at your wedding. Yeah. Yeah, that was a kind of a small wedding. Basically. I don't know. All I remember is we got stuck in the bedroom like most of the time. Oh. And because there really wasn't a place for kids. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think Lee was really into kids, so. You, mean you know, Lee? the, uh, huh? The mother. Yeah. The mother, Lee, or my wife. Your wife. It's funny because I thought at the time when we were engaged, she, we went to visit some friends and she played with the kids and I thought, oh my God, she's going to be a great mother. <laughs> little did I know. Little, yeah, little did you know. Oh my goodness. Anyway, Uncle Danny, do you have any questions for Cousin Danny, your grandson Danny? No, when are you going to see you? Probably in uh, August. August? July, yeah. That's when I'm back in the U.S. I want to see you, yeah. I want to hear you sing. I love your singing. You have a pretty gentle, calming voice. I'm sure you could borrow a guitar. And you play, he plays some of the songs that I mentioned that I knew when I was his age. And I told him about it, and he looked it up, and he found some of the songs. Did you ever find the fire ship? I found the fire ship. I found Peter, Paul, and Moses playing Ray Around the Roses. Yeah. <laughs> that duet. That September song. I like September song a lot. With Walter Uther, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think some of those songs will be might be sung at my birthday party that's coming yeah. up. Because Andrew asked me what my favorite songs were. Who's coming? To your to your 90th, yeah. From out of town. All my direct family. And yeah. uh, Beth's family's coming. All oh, good, good. Yeah. Son's and we're coming. coming. With her, his wife and baby. Oh. Right? Got a baby in January. And they're coming. And I don't remember who else. Yeah, longest. that's good enough. So is there anything either of you would like to ask me? Um... Just thinking back on, I remember I asked you a lot of questions when I visited you a few years ago. Told me that you were like a draft counselor at one point. I was, yes. Yeah, when when the when I was sixteen, the the war in Vietnam was going on, and the draft had been reinstated, and I was very concerned about it. And actually, this is an aside, but I talked to my opa about it. And it was one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had with anybody was I was like thinking about this business of being a conscientious objector. Could I be a conscientious objector to avoid 
I didn't want to go to Vietnam naturally, but but anyway, so I got to talking to him about that and talking to him about being in a concentration camp and about faith. How did he survive? And didn't he, wasn't he like angry with God? Who <laughs> would? I just didn't really understand. And he was great. He talked about that all he could do was affect how he was and that he tried to treat everybody as well as he could because he wanted that kind of energy around him and he thought the only way he could survive was with having a decent relationship with the people he was imprisoned with and he asked me about my own faith and I, nobody had ever really asked me that and I was I was stumped actually I didn't know what to say but I did one of the things coming out of that was I felt if I was going to stay out become a conscious objector that I really needed to understand the law and so at 16 I went to a church that did draft counseling in Detroit and I signed up to learn to become a draft counselor. And so I took a course and I ended up going every Sunday to this draft counseling and sat at a table with a bunch of other people and counseled people on whether they were vets who were at home or people who were trying to figure out how to deal with the draft. And would, you know, I taught them what I learned about the law and the regulations. And it was, it really was a good experience for me because first of all, I met people that I opened up a whole new world of people because here I was this 16 year old, 20, 30 and 40 year old people. And I was respected as a man, as an adult, even though I was 16 because I was there doing what they were doing. And also that was really interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was, and I think now, what am I now? I'm an activist, a patient caregiver activist. And I feel like this business of knowing, that's the thing, is to know how it works, how something works so that you can survive it. And back to what Opa said, the, the relationships that you have in a trying situation. Oh, my dad. I don't think he hated anybody. I didn't really? Even, I didn't even hear him express hatred to the Nazis. Okay. Not um, of the Nazis, really? I, he may have, but... I, I, I didn't hear it. I never heard him express it. And I <laughs> didn't hear him. I don't think he hated the Germans, that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know how he felt about the Nazis. But I think now... I wrote up my uh, on the Facebook but most people in the world, no matter where you are, no matter what country you are, you get up in the morning, you have breakfast, you eat, you go to work, you have a normal day. People are all basically the same. And then you get some asshole that's his own personal reasons that wants to invade your country or wants to do something to hurt you. And uh, most people are just want to live. Yeah. I, I'm with that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most people just want to get on with life. Take care of their kids, make a living. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all pretty profound. All right, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to turn this into some kind of episode. Yeah, I have to think about what the what's the story here. But the story obviously is going to be the three Dan's, three generations. Is I'm really proud to be part of this family. I, I really um, 
it's really it's a it's a source of strength that we care about each other and we do for each other and i certainly miss oh my god i miss uncle leon terribly my mom my dad but i feel and i feel like my kids really appreciate that we have a solid family and we have a history that's humorous and moving and people have purpose in their lives and are love kids. The men in this family really love kids. That's a real defining trait. I think most most, most of the family has been have been activists at one time in our life. Yeah. Which I think yeah. maybe we got from my father. I don't some things are hereditary in the genes or something. Yeah. Passed on socially. I think the I feel like what's what I have that's inherited is I'm a elliptic person that's pathologically optimistic. It's <laughs> a good way to be right now. Only <laughs> way to survive. Yeah, I think it to me it is right. It's I think it's hereditary myself, both but for my mom as well as my dad. So. Yeah, I miss talking to your mom. I used to talk to her a lot. Yeah, you, you miss know? talking to her? Yeah, I miss talking to her. Yeah. She was such a pain in the ass, but, man, she was a hoot. Yeah, growing up must have been tough. But Yeah, but once we got to be teenagers, she was just annoying, and sometimes she was a pretty cool cousin, Dan. I stay in close touch with your mom. Oh, really? I do, yeah. Yeah, she's pretty in the, I don't know what you would call her field. It's definitely um, critical. She's in um, the, um, yeah, she's in the crisis management business. Yeah. And that is, I interviewed her for my podcast, and that was, that was really interesting. I bet. Yeah, I'll have to <laughs> give her a call. I'll have to tell her I spoke to you guys. She'll like that. All right, I'm going to sign off. I love you guys. Love you too. All right. Take Goodbye. care. Bye. Here's a bonus story from my cousin Ben about his dad, my Uncle Dan. When we went to Israel, one of the days that we were there, it was Friday afternoon. So we were trying to find our restaurant that we had picked up so that we could go and eat and have enough time to get back to the hotel before Shabbos started. And so we had decided to just ask someone walking down the street. And so we pulled over next to a couple of people. And it turns out that the people that we had chosen were schoolgirls, complete with their school uniforms. They were early teenagers, maybe. Let me back up. Sometimes when someone is multilingual, they will add certain sounds to other sounds because it just flows out of their mouth that way. So instead of saying an S sound, he said an SH sound instead. And the restaurant, the name of the restaurant we were looking for was called Stoops. And in classic Dan Van Leeuwen the first style, instead of saying, hello, young ladies, we are looking for a restaurant, he bails out of the car and approaches them and says, Eifoha Stoops, Eifoha Stoops. And these girls 
One of them looked at us like she couldn't believe this was happening. And the other one almost dropped her school book and was gaping and covering her mouth in complete surprise and was literally backing away. And I was sitting in the driver's seat going, oh, my God, I'm going to jail in Israel. And it's not for a good thing at all. It's for a really bad thing. And so I said, Dad, tell them right now that we're looking for a restaurant, please. And once we conveyed what was going on, they thought it was hilarious, too. So, And so what did it mean? Stoop is a <clears throat> somewhat crass term for sexual relations. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, of course, these poor girls right. see this elderly gentleman jumping out of the car. And wanting to have Asking for something <laughs> other than what he was looking for. And it was just a, a, a absolutely hilarious moment. That was, yes. Yeah. Especially once they got the joke. Yeah. Thankfully, they did. They're probably still telling that story. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Absolutely. Ah, family. I love this family. My spiritual strength comes from family and family lore, the stories we tell ourselves. Our belonging to an inclusive family, an open family, a blood family growing as an intentional family. I appreciate that I can produce a varied podcast that includes personal, family, clinical, and information topics and change policy and learning material. The world feels like my oyster. I appreciate you, my readers and listeners, with varied tastes and interests. Please celebrate with me this week, my 47th wedding anniversary, and next month, my 70th birthday. I'm blessed to have made it this far. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block. Four sons. Four sons. Four sons.